Amen. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering. Whoa. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Okay. So, so today, uh, I'm going to do an overview of the book of First and Second Samuel. All right. Uh, so, so that we get a comprehensive background of what we're going to do in the next few months as we preach week after week from First and Second Samuel. And then on the latter half of the year, we will do First and Second Chronicles, basically on the life of David, and then second half on the life of Solomon. So, so let me begin. Uh, it's not easy, interest, uh, uh, I would say, to do an overview of these books. Why? Because they are all stories. Huh? So anyway, let, let me give you a summary of what I'm going to do in this uh, 45 or 50 minutes or so. So I'm going to give you some general considerations of First and Second Samuel to give us a broad sweep of things and timelines of God. And then after that, I'm going to share on two supporting characters, which is Samuel and Saul. But the main character is David, okay? So I will spend most of my time this morning uh, on David. So let, let me begin by giving you some general considerations. First and second Samuel are all historical narratives. In other words, stories. Stories. How do you do an overview of a novel? How do you do an overview and, 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 and give points for a novel, a story? It's okay, it's easier to do epistles because these are all concepts and doctrines, you see. But for narratives, it's not easy because these are stories. And actually, the first and second book of Samuel is one book in the original Hebrew Bible. It's one book. All right, here we have two books. Why? Because it is one story that covers a span of 150 years in the life of and the times of Israel. So it is stories. But stories from whose angle? So you can actually tell a story from various angles. Is it from this person's angle, that person's angle? So my belief, reading through the book of First and Second Samuel, is that we must approach these two books from God's angle. Because the Bible is the story of God. The moment we appear and look at the Bible from bottom up rather than top down, we miss the point. We miss the wood for the tree, so they say in English. But when we look at stories, the narratives, from God's angle, then we begin to see what God wants us to see. And the key is, what is God saying to us in the next few months? Because there are many details that is not written down, right? There are many more details about David's life, but because God... God's story, our story, His story. We now begin to see the story of God through the life of Samuel, Saul, and David. So if I were to represent this 150 years in a timeline and leading up to the era of the kings, it would be like this. If we start from Abraham, which is 2000 BC, right up to David, which is 1000 BC, you see the involvement of Israel like this. It starts with a family. So God called the Abrahamic family together with Lot, uh, 
and uh, they came out of the earth of Chaldees, and they went and started a family. But from the family came the 12 tribes. Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. So now Israel has expanded from being one family, the family of faith, father of faith, into the 12 tribes of Israel. And then from the 12 tribes, it became a nation when, when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness, and for the first time in the wilderness, Israel became a nation. Why? The laws. Remember the laws? The laws were incorporated, and Israel became a nation, over two and a half million people. But then, after Moses came Joshua, he went astray. It was the, I should put down there, the judges. The time of the judges, when Israel began to do things their way and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And then came Samuel, the last judge. So after the judges come the era of the kings. Saul became the first king, then David, and so on. So where we are now is the era of the kings. I'm going to throw in a very controversial comment. I don't have the answer. I may be wrong. David actually was God's second choice. Think about it. Remember Samuel told Saul, if you had obeyed, your kingdom will last forever. He disobeyed. It's very controversial, right? Think. So came the era of the kings. That's what we are now. Saul, the first king. David, the second king. And after the kings, they went into exile. Came the era of the prophets. So that's where we are today, right? We are dealing with 150 years in the beginning of the era of the kings. Samuel, last prophet. Saul, first king. How do you do a, an overview of narratives? Well, treat it like a drama. So we are in the season of the Oscars. Uh, I, I think the Oscar is, is on the 11th of March this year, you know. And believe me, I'm not impressed with the nominees this year. Barbie, you know. I, I dislike... I don't, I don't like the one they see. It's like, I, I don't like the film. It's too girly for me, you know. Oppenheimer. Well, no play, play. Huh? Cillian Murphy probably get the best. Uh. So, so it's a season of the Oscars where you have the main actor, supporting actor. So let, let us treat first and second Samuel like a drama with a scriptwriter, producer, director, God. Why? Because he is the one that wrote the script. Right? You think so? He was the one that directs the events. He was the one that made things happen. Why? His way. So I told you just now, uh, if you look at First and Second Samuel, in fact, the entire Bible, from God's perspective, then we begin to see what God sees and begin to hear what God wants us to hear in the coming months. 
Because the main character is David. It is David. But there are also supporting cast, supporting actors. Who are they? Samuel and Saul. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mention Samuel, mention Saul on, in the first and second Samuel and focus most of my time on David, all right? But still, without the supporting cast, there is no main cast, all right? So what happens in first Samuel points towards the whole of second Samuel, which is entirely about David. That's why first and second is one book. And of course, there are other cast members like Eli, Jonathan, you know what I mean, uh, Michal, Abigail, and of course, David's 30 mighty men. All these are, sub, all these are the cast. So, so let me begin with Samuel. So this is, with, this is uh, the summary of the first 12 chapters of 1 Samuel. All right? It's all about Samuel coming into the scene. All right? Because without Samuel, there's no David. There's no Saul, all right? So, so the Lord is now building up layer upon layer, and it begins with the birth of Samuel in 1 Samuel. And, David's, and Samuel was birthed because of Hannah, all right? Hannah was barren. And it's very interesting that whenever God changes an era, it always goes through a barren woman. Not always, usually. For example, Sarah was barren. Um, Samson's mother was barren. Hannah was barren, the year of the, 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 the era of the prophets over the Watma. Who else was barren? Elizabeth was barren. When he conceived John the Baptist, the beginning of the Christ era. Interesting. A lot of times, God used barren woman to begin a new era. Why? Only God can open a barren womb. So at the end of the day, when all these things happen, no man can usurp his glory. It is God, God, God. And so it is. It's the era of the kings. Began with Hannah. Anguish. Praying to God for a child. And God answered her prayers. And she conceived and gave birth to Samuel. When Samuel was born, it was described in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. It was a dark time spiritually for Israel. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many revelations, meaning God was silent. You know, when you went, why? Because the, the priesthood was corrupt, you see. The priesthood was unholy. They were ex exploiting their positions for personal gain. And it's the same for any church, for any nation. When the priesthood goes wayward and begins to use the office of the priesthood for personal glory and gain, God silent. God doesn't speak. So what happens? You preach the same thing day in, day out. There is no fresh revelation of the word. And my prayer is, as I be careful, this will never happen. That every time you come to hear the word of God from this pulpit, it is fresh. It is directly from the word of God. Amen? But in those days, the word of God was rare. And Samuel came into the scene 
you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But if I were to use two words to describe Samuel, what would it be? And this is what I'm going to do. So for, for Saul, I will use two or three words for David so that we, we get an idea what are the key characteristics of these people because it's impossible to go through the, all the, the, the chapters of First and Second Samuel, all the narratives, right? So if I were to use two words to describe Samuel when he was born, what would it be? Is this. Samuel was consecrated and very prayerful. Again and again, that's what he was. Why? Because Samuel was the result of a consecrated life in Hannah. And Hannah consecrated Samuel to the Lord. And Samuel then became the last judge that ushered in the era of the kings. Can I, can I apply this to parents? You live a life of consecration before God. Consecrate your children to God. You know, as they were praying for me just now, Lord, they always, we always, Lord, bless, bless Pastor Chu's family, bless Pastor Lee Chu's family. As you were praying that, I was naming them in my mind. Jonathan, Christopher, Rachel, Jehan, Ari, Rafa, and one more. You know, I consecrated my family. And I do that many times a week. When you consecrate your family intentionally to God, and more important than that, verbally, you, parents and grandparents, live a consecrated life. And your parents and your children and your grandchildren will look at you. And believe me, they may not pay attention to you, but something in you will rub off to them, like Hannah. Because Hannah lived a consecrated life, consecrated to God. I'm very sure she would have told Samuel. And that's why Samuel in the early days slept in the house of God, right? Even as a child, he was consecrated to God. Don't you do that? It's never about your success in the world. What's the point? If you're far away from God. Now, I want to give you hope, my friend. Never, never focus on the physical success of your children. Not, I would say not important. It is important. But more importantly, they know and honour God. So it was. Because Hannah consecrated Samuel, Samuel lived a consecrated life. And I believe that was the reason why he was also very prayerful. Consecration and prayerfulness always go together. When you are consecrated before God, you will be prayerful. And when you are prayerful, the more you pray, the more consecrated you will become. It goes hand in hand like a hand in a glove. You cannot live a consecrated life and not pray. It is incongruous. And you cannot pray so much without being more and more consecrated. So Samuel lived a consecrated and a prayerful life. So much so that the Bible tells us not a single prayer of Samuel fell to the ground. Whoa, I, I want to be prayed for people like that. Right? Please pray for me, you know. Not a single of your prayer fall to the ground, no. Hey, but a prayer answer could be no, right? But 
Can you imagine that? Everything that Samuel prayed for, God answered. Samuel himself said this, As for me, because he's the author of 2 Samuel, man, be it far from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I can say this to you without any embarrassment and without any hypocrisy. Every week, Pastor Lee Chu and I pray for you, pastors. Every week. Every week. Pray. God, bless my pastors. Bless your home. Bless your children, Lord. Stop them. Prevent them from sinning. Lord, help them. Bless them. And some of your prayer requests that you and I pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good, that Samuel writing and write. But be sure to fear the Lord, serve Him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things He has done for you. That is Samuel. Now Saul. What about Saul? So before I share something about Saul, let me say this, and I will mention this several times. Be a David. Don't be a Saul. So everybody say after me, be a David. Don't be a Saul. One more time, be a David. Don't be a Saul. Why? Because if, well, this is a summary, all right, just for whatever it was worth, from 1 Samuel 13 to verse 31, generally speaking, is about Saul's life. Jonathan, affectionate son, chapter 13 to 14, Samuel, angry, angry prophet, David, their parents, rival, Philistines, aggressive fool. But don't worry about it, it's too broad, too, but that's the best I can do. But more importantly, if I were to describe Saul in two to three words, like I described Samuel, what would I use? And I prayed about that, and these are my three words. Saul was insecure, Saul was external, and Saul was a very impatient man. I want it done, I want it done now. Insecure. Very insecure person. You know, when, 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 when he sinned and was very impatient and became to take the role of the priest because Samuel arrived late. You cannot do that. You cannot langa God's principles. So he began to worship as a priest. And, when Dan, and Samuel came, why do you do that, Samuel? Uh, so why do you do that? And then Saul began to, and Samuel walked away. And Saul began to chase after Samuel, caught hold of Samuel's rope, and Samuel continued to walk, and the rope tore. And when Samuel's rope tore, Samuel turned back and said, Saul, your kingdom will be torn into two, and your kingdom will be given to someone better than you. Now, instead of repenting, check me out. Saul said, I have sinned, but please honour me. 
before my elders, before Israel, and before my people. Honor me. Don't shame me. What? At that critical juncture, surely if you had repented, God would have restored back his kingdom. No. Honor me. The best way is to contrast Saul and David. So Saul was very insecure. David was very secure. And I, and I can say that to some extent. You know, you know my favorite character in the Bible is David. Not, not, not the adultery part, you know what I'm saying? Who's my favorite character in the New Testament? Not Paul. I can never be like Paul, right? I wouldn't tell you. But since you asked, I'll tell you. Huh? It's Barnabas. Barnabas. And you go study Barnabas, you, you'll know why. Huh? But David was very secure. And one of the reasons why I can connect with David is because I too am a very secure person. You know, I have a meeting of senior pastors every six weeks where Pastor Daniel Ho, uh, Pastor Lawrence, yep, you don't know who they are, never mind. We meet and then we, 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 we talk rubbish, you know what I mean? And, and, and they always tell me this, and this is from senior pastors, huh? you know, Wing Chi, you are one of the most secure senior pastors we've ever met. Why? Because I don't feel threatened one. Unlike my wife, who's very insecure. And I can say this because she's not here, you see. <laughs> Incidentally, she, she, she's in Uganda uh, because, you know, uh, she's a very prayerful person. You know, the, the person that I can relate to uh, who is very consecrated and prayerful is not me, my wife, you know. She's very consecrated and she prays a lot. She not really prays a lot, she fasts and prays a lot, you know. No, I, I don't do that, you know, I love my food, you know. And, and, and sometimes, you know, she wakes up in the morning, 4, 5 o'clock to pray. And sometimes, I also wake up 4, 5 o'clock. When I see her praying, I put her to fall asleep, see? Just in case she wakes me up. Since you wake, better join me to pray. No, no, I fall asleep, you know. The reason why she's in Uganda now is because she's actually praying with John Melinda in the prayer mountain. But she's very insecure before she met me. And over the years, her security grew. Why? Because she married a goody-goody, ma. And, and she's, no, she's, the, she's not so goody-goody, you know what I mean? But when she buried me in the early days, she would give me a kick, you know, in the middle of the night. So, so I got, hey, darling, why you kick me? Huh? Just in case, to make sure you're not raptured and I'm left behind, is it? <laughs> but over the years, she's very secure. Why? Because she found her security in God. I say this to you, my friend. To some extent, all of us are insecure. I'm also insecure one, no. But find your security not in your work, not in your ministry, not even in your spouse, not in your success, not in your wealth, definitely. But in Christ. Understand? It grows. So David, through all the years as a shepherd boy, found his security in God. That's why he was not threatened. That's why he 
He wants to bless other people. So it is all, these are all the repercussions of a secure person. You want to bless. You're not competitive. You're not negative. You want the, the good for other people. That's David. You know, in the midst of all the bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, at the end of the day, you read the Word of God, he blessed entire Israel. And then he went home and blessed his family. This is there. David went home to bless his family. Now, this is where I got that from. You know, every time, sometimes, a lot of times I pray, remember, remember what I say? Go home and bless your family, right? Where do I get it from? David. La. David is my favorite character. Ma. So go home, bless your family. Except Michal told David, you dance shamefully. But David says, when I dance, I'm not dancing to you. I will dance with all my might for the glory of God. And Mikal was infertile. God shut her womb for the rest of her life. So when, when, when you're insecure, you're murderous, you're intent, and, and you don't have spiritual depths. For David, he had a lot of spiritual depths and was utterly dependent on God. You know, one of the key phrases of David in First and Second Samuel was this, David inquired of the Lord. Agree or not? Every step of the way, David inquired of the Lord. And was one occasion when he did not inquire of the Lord was when he went to the Philistine territory. It's a wonderful study. The reason why he went into Philistine, he was afraid for his life. And he was never afraid for his life. But when that moment, no record at all of David inquiring of the Lord, he made wrong choices. He went into Philistine territory and pretended to be mad. Why? He never inquired of the Lord at that period of time. So my encouragement to you is, be a David. Don't be a Saul. Build depths. Spend time. Carve out time in all the business. You think David was not busy as a king? Uh? A wonderful psalm to expound in Psalm 131. Three verses. He says, I do not want the spotlight. I do not want the limelight. I just want to be with you. Three verses, powerful psalm. And because of that, Saul's tenure was short-lived. Don't do that. We have a theme in this church. Strong church. Strong generations. Hey, not a theme, huh? We want to have a build a strong church for generations to come. How? Be a David. Don't be a soul. So everybody say, be a David. Don't be a Saul. I want to be like David. I don't want to be like Saul. So soft. Come on. I hardly heard anybody from the balcony. Come on, all, all say after me, I don't want to be like Saul. I want to be like David. One more time. I don't want to be like Saul. I want to be like David. 
Amen. Look, my, my, my prayer for us is in, as we study the life and times of David in the coming months and weeks, something of the character and the, and the spirit of David is rubbed onto you and to me. Don't you want that? Rather than just a, another sermon. What for? Remember David speaks life? Impart life? Twice he had a chance to kill Saul. I will not touch God's anointed. That's life, man. That's life. So be a David. Don't be a Saul. What about David? You see, Samuel was consecrated and prayerful. Saul was insecure, external, and impatient. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me share with you another incident just to let us know how external Saul was, was when he was tasked and ordered to kill and demolish and eradicate the Amalekites. What Saul did was he kept the best of the flocks and the sheep and spared Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And when Samuel the prophet came, and Samuel said, what is it? Why is it that I hear the bleating of the sheep and the lowing of the cows? So justified. Oh, yeah. I kept them for God. Ha. Huh. You heard it how many times? Partial obedience. Don't do this. But I did it for God. You know, I, I, if God bless me with this, I will give 10%, set up trust funds. You know, up to today, not a single trust fund has been set. So external. And Samuel said this. Saul, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? You can give your life for all I can. Give your time for all I can. But do you obey me? That's the key. Do you obey me? Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Samuel 15. As much as in obeying the voice of the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice. Listen to me very carefully. Obey. Obey. If the Lord tells you certain things in your character and your life, you obey. Be a David. See, for David, I use two words. He was wholehearted and he was authentic. Notice, I never use the word perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. But God never, never demand perfection, but authenticity. You be authentic before God. If I were to chart David's timeline and character, it's up and down, up and down. And David has done sins that none of us, I hope, have ever done. Have you ever killed somebody? Have you ever murdered somebody? Maybe some of you have committed adultery. Huh? I don't know. But David was authentic. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. There is hope for you and for me. All 
all that is required for you. That's why be a David. Don't be a Saul. It's not that we do things perfectly. None of us can ever achieve that standard. But God never required from you, ma. So why are you so anxious about? Just be authentic. Just be authentic. Warts and all. He was wholehearted. Not only had he a good heart, he was wholehearted. Whole heart means whatever he did, he put his whole heart and soul into it and not half-hearted. Come to church, bole. Don't come to church, also can. Depends on whether it rain or not. Depends on whether I could golf or not. What kind of discipleship is that? David, when he sang, he sang with all his heart, right now. When he worshipped, he worshipped with all his heart. When he gave, remember, in, in, in Chronicles, when he gave to build a temple, he gave everything with all his heart. And people saw it. Was he perfect? No. You know, you know in olden days, there used to be an organization called Journey Through the Bible. It's, I don't know why it's gone defunct now. I think it was... Started by Carl Colby, Kilson, and Wilkinson, and then they had representatives uh, that come from uh, from Singapore, I think. So he does uh, an interactive thing. The journey through the Bible is that you go through the Bible from cover to cover, very, very hilariously, very, very interactively. And it, and and I remembered with actions as well. So he, I remembered when he came to First and Second Samuel, he would say this. All right, I remember that he says, uh, "Saul, no heart, Solomon." Half heart. David, whole heart. Do it with me. Come on, everybody say, Saul? No. Hey, come on, do la. Saul? No heart. Solomon? Half heart. David? Be a David. Whole heart. Wholeheartedly. Love the Lord. That's why he's a man of the own heart, right? Not because he was perfect, not because he did things, everything right, no. He was wholeheartedly devoted to God. The main word, if you look at the transition, is wholeheartedness. Wholeheartedness. He told Solomon, love the Lord wholehearted. He didn't say, Solomon, be perfect, no. Be very real. So this is a summary of 2 Samuel. The whole of 2 Samuel is on David. 1 Samuel is just laying the groundwork, preparing for the main character, and an entire book of 24 chapters is devoted to the life of David. So this is a brief summary Obviously, it's incomplete. And I divided David's life in 2 Samuel into two. David's rise, all right, uh, and then David's fall from verse chapter 1 to chapter 9. Became king, defeated the Philistines, victory after victory, and desired to build God's house. Praise the Lord, you know. And then after that, David's fall from chapter 10 onwards. Number one, David and Bathsheba, disgraced man. You know, you know, there are certain Bathsheba moments in our life. 
It's not that we are perfect, understand? And that's the reason why I love him. I love to be like him because there is hope. And I recognize my own inadequacies and my sinfulness. And if God can restore David, he can restore you. But it went down. Because of the Bathsheba moment, Absalom, his son, rebelled against him. He was, his family was entirely disintegrated and that's, and that's the same for you and for me. Don't take God for granted. God has blessed your family with so many things, but you stay true to God. Don't have Bathsheba moments because the moment you begin to do that, God's presence leave your family and before long, it will be disintegrated. Never take God for granted. Listen to me very, I've seen it so many times. They do so well. Why? Why? Hi-ya. From grace to the grass. And of course, the, the coup de grace was when he counted his army. Destructive pride. No, at the end of the day, I want to leave this with you. If there's one thing you take home from me in my summary and overview of Saul, Samuel, and David, it's all the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. Even at the first time we meet David, wow! Samuel was asked to anoint a new king because Saul had left. So Samuel was told to go to the house of Jesse. And then Jesse paraded all his seven wonderful sons, handsome, tall, successful. And one by one, the Spirit of the Lord told Samuel, no, this is not the one. Samuel said, is this the one? This must be the one. No, no, no. Anymore? Yeah, one more, but his youngest one, 17 years old. Taking care of sheep, smell like mad. Call him. We will not eat until he comes. David came and Spirit said, anoint him. Rise, this is the king of Israel. And God told every one of us, including Samuel, the Lord does not look at the things man look at. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Hear me, hear me very well. This is the crux of the whole life of David. When he sinned, he repented with all his heart before God. Read Psalm 51, read Psalm 32. When he was sad, he said, when he rejoiced, he rejoiced. This is a man after God's own heart, not because of what he's achieved. He's achieved a lot. But the reason is this. He was a man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect. That's why there is hope for you, my friend. There's hope for me. But because he was authentic, he repented and he loves God with all his heart. 
And this is the David that we're going to study in the next few months. And my prayer for you is something of the spirit of David will be imparted to you and to me. Has to be. If not, why bother? Why bother? And I want to believe that as we begin to do that, God is saying to you, God is saying to me, be a David. Don't be a Saul. Even when he sinned, his cry to God when he repented was this, create in me a what? Clean heart. That's the key. If you ask me one single word that epitomizes the man of God, it's here. Not here. No. Come read this with me. It's okay with you? Read the heart of the man of God. Why? And it is replicable. He's not the only one in history. If we have the spirit of this man, learn. We also can be a man after God's own heart. So read this with me. It's okay with you? Let's all read together. First, Psalm 51, verse 10 to 11. Are you ready? Read out loud. Front to back, top to bottom, left to right. One, two, three. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take the Holy It so, speaks so well of this man of God that when he sinned, the first thing he did was not, thought, you know, I know I, I, I'm weak, I rationalized, I know I was tired, I was under stress. No, he says, Lord, please, don't take your spirit from me. I need it. It's my life. Don't ever do that, Lord. Don't ever. I'm so sorry. But don't ever just create me pure to love you back again. A broken and a contrite spirit the Lord will never despise. You know, in in a real estate world, when we buy a real estate, they will always say the three criteria for a good buy. It is location, location, location. When I read David, the three criteria why David was a man of God was three words. Humility, humility, humility. That's it. Saul was arrogant. David was humble. You want to be a man of God's own heart? Be like David. I'm going to close. Can I have the worship team on stage? Did David finish well? Did David finish well? A lot of commentators say no. He didn't finish well. It's a moot question. It's a question that... Why? Uh, most commentators say, why? Look at him. He killed 
Uriah, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He deceived everybody. You know, he, 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 he tried to hide things away. And then uh, he, he was a bad father, you know. Actually, he was a bad father. He, he didn't discipline his sons. He was a doting father. When Absalom rebelled against him, he, he was a doting father. He was a terrible father. There's rape in the, in, in, in the family. All kinds of things happen in the family. Bad father. There's so many things wrong. Question, did he finish well? I think he did. I beg to defer. And I want to say to you, my friend, finish well. Finish well. If you look at the life of David, he went up and down, you know. And if God can forgive David, and he finished well, that is hope for you and me. How do I know he finished well? Two things. In the book of Acts, chapter 13 and verse 36, in the New Testament, long after David, 1,000 years after David has passed away, it is recorded this way. When David has served God's purpose for his generation, he fell asleep. Isn't that a wonderful sentence on your epitaph? Or your grave. He fulfilled God's purpose for his generation and now he has fallen asleep. Wow. He fulfilled God's generation purpose and let my prayers so all of us will do the same, understand? You don't need to be high profile. You don't need to be, no. In your own way, love God. Serve Him. Don't, don't waste your life away chasing after useless things. Check your heart all the time. And the second thing, why I believed He ended up well was when at the height of his success when the king had settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him and set the stage for the entrance of Solomon which is the era of peace so David fought all the wars most people would say and I say this for the second service because I believe it applied to the many a lot of because a lot of them are fathers and grandfathers. A lot of them can still give to God and offer to God so much more, and they retire at a peak of their success. You know, David could say, Okay, I've done so everything, I've conquered everything. What can I do? David says, I will build a house for God. Wow! I will build a house for God. Many of you have not only monetary, I'm not talking about it, energy, talents to build God's house. What on earth are you doing about it? Retire. Do nothing. Some of you are even half my age, young people, doing nothing. What? And God has given you so much opportunities. And you waste your time away. David at the height of his career, he 
you know, I estimated this is David's kingdom. It's the biggest ever conquered by any king in the history of Israel. At the end of David's life, this is almost equivalent to the promised land given to Abraham, except two areas like this. Interesting one. You can see it, Felicia and Phoenicia. And these are the places where the Hamas and Hezbollah are today. Is it coincidence? No. If only David had conquered those areas. He didn't. And today we're saving the price of it. But the important thing is this. At the height of David's life, he said, God, I will build a house for you. I will use all my opportunities, my networking. I will build God's kingdom. Not necessarily through SIB, but I will give my best shot. Remember, wholehearted, right? What about you? What about you? But amazing thing is this. And I'll close. God said to David, it's all about a heart, right? You want to build a house for me? What house can you build for me, Isaiah? What house can you build for me? Where can you find a resting place for the God of all creation? The earth is my footstool. Where can? But because you have loved me, David, I will build a house for you. And the house that I build for you will be everlasting. God said your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me and your throne will be established forever now. Did they come to pass? Yes. Yes. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary, a 15-year-old village girl, the angel Gabriel told Mary, the seed that was conceived inside you is by the Holy Spirit and his name shall be called Jesus. And that's what he said, you will conceive and give birth to a son Mary and you will call him Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. Both Mary and, and Joseph came from the lineage of David. So why? So that the house of David can last forever. God is no man's debtor. You build his house, God will build your legacy from generations to generations. Don't be myopic. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end up to this day. Even in Revelation chapter 5, when John the Apostle lamented, who is worthy to open the scrolls? Nobody on earth. And then he saw the Son of the Lamb of God. And then one of the elders said to me, do not weep, John. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the what? David's house never ended because he was so focused on building God's house. You do the same. You do the same. I do the same. No matter what happens, live for God, my friend. Live for God. You've heard me say this so many times. So many times. I'm not asking you to go full-time, huh? I'm asking you to live every day of life with the consciousness that you're building His kingdom. Don't build the church. 
I like what my friend Daniel Ho tells me. He says, Wing Chi, building a church is a project too small for God. Build kingdom. Have a kingdom mindset. So can I encourage you as we close? Have a whole heart for God. Love Him. Live for His glory every moment of your days. Yes, we have fallen. Yes, we have made did things that shame the Lord but start again start again it's okay with you if God can forgive David and restore him he can do the same for you and for me that's why there is hope understand there is hope let's close our eyes everybody bow your heads So I believe in the coming weeks, we're going to have a wonderful seasons and times of looking at the Word of God. And can I encourage you, as I encourage the worship team, process your life not by sentiments or events, but by Scripture. Can I repeat that? Live your life by Scripture. If God says something and you know in your spirit is the truth and it is God speaking to you, do something. Obey. Process your life not by sentiments but by scripture. Or else why bother? Why bother? So my my encouragement to you tonight, this morning, is that whatever God has spoken to you, in the overview, would you contextualize it? Contextualize it. And make it your own. So I'm going to open the altar in a short while for two categories of people. Number one, is for those of you who last year had not been a good year, And even as you step into the new year, this is the last weekend of January, you know. And after that, Chinese New Year. So before, before we go to that celebrity celebration, I want to believe that after hearing three weeks of vision casting, this is the fourth weekend I want you to commit. I want you to come before God and say, yes, Lord, I will respond to you. I want to start again. I want to write, I want to ask you to write a new chapter in my life. Blanco, whatever has happened in the last year, and put a new page. And this time, the new page, the new chapter is written by the blood and the finger of Jesus Christ. Start again. Husband and wife, you can come out. Second category. It's for those of you who have been coming to this church now for the last few months, even few years, and you've been hiding behind. Today, I want you to come out and commit and serve again. You know, one of the things I came in, I saw Servolution outside. It's still going on. Serve. Go and register. Do something for God. So we have the Connect Ministry, the Mac, the Worship, and uh, and Ambassadors, right? Come on! Come on! You're not dead yet, lah! 
Why wait until you want to die? As long as the Lord gives me strength and one, I will serve God. I will serve God. It, you know, so I, I want to open the altar for those of you. You know, you know where I got this cue from? I got this cue on Friday. I wasn't sure what to do. And I went to a zone on Friday and I was so, so impressed with I met some couples, three couples actually, who had been from another church and they came to SIB and they told me, Pastor, ever since I came to SIB, I was jaded. I was one of them was kicked out of the church. I don't know why. Because he 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 he, he doesn't disagree with something in the, in the, the, the leadership. But ever since he came to this church, he has been fired up again. He served again. They loved the Lord again. Something in the spirit lighted up. They served again. You do the same. You do the same. You have been here now for the last few months or years and you're hiding in the back. Today, you come and offer yourself your talents, your time, your home, whatever it is, for God. Order is open. So we're going to open. Give it a go. Go quietly, alright? You don't have to go. Stay. Why? Because what Pastor Isaac said is true when he told to the leaders. If you leave, People coming forward, especially newcomer, will say, oh, what kind of, I also go. In other words, you are not encouraging them to come forward. You are encouraging them to leave. Now, you have to go, please go. But you don't have to go. Don't go. Okay? It's okay, one, huh? After a while, the traffic will clear, one, huh? You don't have to rush. To, don't have to rush, huh? And the lifts, don't worry, walk down. Walk down! Don't use the lift. Going downwards, ma. Walk down. Okay, so you gotta go, you go, you don't go, you don't go. It's a solemn moment. So I'm gonna ask you to stand up. Altar is open. Altar is open. It's the last weekend of the year. You rededicate your life. Husband and wife, come together. Love again. Live again. Laugh again as we sing this song. Hallelujah.